Hello and welcome to Wizardology. This is Amir Fasihi. In this podcast, I'll be talking to game industry experts about leadership and teamwork. My guest today is Mike Acton, VP of Dots at Unity. Mr. Mike Acton, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, I I understand we're going to be talking a little bit about leadership today. Yeah, I imagine this is a concept which is um, interesting for you. You have shared a lot of information about leadership in the game industry and technical leadership. You have had many presentations. You have written a lot. And I'm very excited to talk to you about these topics today. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's obviously close to close to my heart. Um, it's something that you know I feel very strongly about. Um, it's, it's certainly in in the game industry as a whole. It's something I think that that deserves a lot more attention and um, and energy put into it uh, um, because it's really there's nothing that can damage a team more uh, than bad leadership, um, and we see it all the time. Yeah, I hope we get into all of that. So, uh, Mike, let's start with a little bit of the background. What was your first leadership role? You have been a leader in the game industry for a long time now, more than 20 years. And today you are VP of Dots at Unity. But how did it start for you? Do you remember the first leadership role? Um, No, I don't know what the first role was. Um, I think that... Um, when, you know, when we were working on, um, let's see, when we were working on, uh, some of the early, early, uh, I want to say PS2 work, I had a, I had a small team of, of just me and one other person, and then maybe that that eventually became two other people, and that was less. That was that was less of um, you know a a real uh, sort of management role, and much more of a of a technical lead. Um, you know, and that sort of distinction being that at that point um, I was you know I was a younger, and b no one had sort of talked to me about what being a lead meant. Um, so it was, you know, my entire focus at that point was really on what are we doing technically, right? And, and sort of, um, and sort of pulling the, 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 the folks together on, on that, on that problem. And so, you know, does that count? I don't know, because that's not, you know, by, by any, by any definition that I would use today, that's not, that's not a lead. That's not a lead. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's just that's just somebody pointing in a direction from a from a uh, from a technical point of view and sort of missing the point that you're working with people. How would you distinguish between a leader and a manager? Um, I mean, I I think that a manager is is a a job, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you can you can be, be a manager without being a good leader. Um, 
I mean, all I have to do is give you the job, and you are now a manager. Like it says so on your on your on your business card. Um, so that's the sort of technical job. But in order to be a good manager, you do need to be a good leader, and and so I don't think they're they're at all the same thing. Um, you know, I think a good a good lead a good leader is someone who who can. Um, who understands the people that they're that they're working with? Who understands where it is that they want to go in their in their in their domain? Um, so, and it's sort of mapping a bunch of things together. You know, if I'm working with you, uh, I said, "Hey, Amir, um, let's you know, let's look at a couple of things. One, I have to be able to explain to you where where it is that um, the company we both work for is going. Uh, how do we fit in? Um, I have to explain to you." Where what's important to me, because you have you have to work with me and like it or not, whether we like that or not, that's just the truth of the matter. Like we're working together, so you should know what it is that that I want. Then I have to know what it is that you want, and that's important. I have to know what where do you want to go. I have to I have to ask you, um, you know, what is your per I have to get to the point of what is your personal mission. You know, what do you want to accomplish? What it is what is it that you want to um, what change do you want to see in the world? Or, frankly, if if that's hard for you to answer, um, and for some people that that's that's you know they struggle with that even that question, um, not because you know some people struggle because they're not ready to answer it, but other people struggle just because it seems um, it seems like hubris to even answer that question. Um, but so even if if it's hard for you to answer, the question can still it can still be formed in the you know what what you like to do. Like, what do you want to do? What does your ideal day look like, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so my job is to line all those things up as much as possible, right? You should feel like um, you get something out of being, of us working together. Like, your mission moves forward. What it is that you want to accomplish moves forward. So if that's just about you want more ideal days in your life, then you should, be able, you should see that being here on this team right now is the best place for you to get more of those ideal days in your life, if that's really what it's about for you. Um, if, if um, you know, and at the same time, that trade should be, and our, you know, our team's mission moves forward. We're building the thing and we're doing better because you're on the team. So all those things should, should work together, uh, which means I have to know what they are. Um, and that's, I think that's a, that, that is a, a distinct thing that, that I think a good lead does that, uh, that is not on, you know, that is not normally part of, you know, the, the introduction to a manager's job. Um, and so you have a lot of managers who don't know how to be a good lead. Very, you described it very beautifully. Uh, how much of what you described uh, includes coaching, would you say? I mean, I think that, that coaching is definitely part of the, I mean, it's part of the, that experience, right, of, of just talking through it. Um, I think people often make the m mistake of assuming that the the lead role um, uh, is is somehow uniquely positioned to coach in all things, um, and that's just not true. Like you know, you have different experience than I have, and there are some things that you know I, I'm going I am going to be in a position to coach. But there is also some things that you are going to be in a position to coach. Um, and you're going to be better positioned to. So, in in the sense of coaching, sort of, we're both, you know, we're we're both in a position. Um, the expectation, I think, is that a you know a lead is 
especially if they've developed those experiences, a lead is in a better position to coach on things like communication, um, which is sort of key to, to any good team and working on any good team or coaching on how to present your, your idea or coaching on, um, you know, logistical issues of the work. Like, Hey, uh, you know, this is how you, this is how you're, you're turning stuff in or this is how you're showing up or whatever. That, that's sort of directly related to the work. But, um, you know, everybody, everybody in some sense is a lead. And when the team, when those two people are talking, and you know they're, they're talking about these. This is what I want, and this is what you want, and this is what's happening. And how can we, how can we both get more of what we want? Inevitably, we learn something about the other person, and we learn, um, you know, something that is that is either a totally different, unique perspective, or it's something that you know we're interested in. I want to know more about that. Like, like um, for instance, right now I haven't done. I have never done a podcast. Like I've never, I've never made one. I've, I've listened to some. Um, I see a cool microphone on your screen, um, and I, you know, and, and and honestly, there's so much that I, I, you know, that just out of sheer curiosity, that you know, I, I, I would want to know. And I think that you, you are in a good position to coach me on if I wanted to do such a thing, right? Um, and that has nothing to do with our relative positions in any, any job. It's the fact that, you know, you, you know more than I do about something or you have an experience that I don't have. And, and so I know it's a long winded answer to your question, but I, I think it's important for, for leads and managers to remember that they, you know, they are not um, expected to know all the things and for individuals or ICs to remember that they can lead and coach as well. Um. Interesting. So a lot of what you described might apply to any kind of leadership position in any industry, right? Are there any unique challenges in the video game industry for leaders, would you say? I mean, so the vast majority of my personal experience is in the video game industry. Um, you know, out of, um, you know, whatever, nearly 30 years of experience, there's probably only about two of those years that are not in the video game industry. And those were a long time ago. So my, my, you know, my ability to, to, to judge the uniqueness of the industry is, is I, I would say, put, it, put into some serious question. Um, so I'm, I'm only guessing <laughs> what, is, what is unique about it based on, based on sort of what, I, what I've heard and what I've seen um, uh, or what I've read about. Um, and so, I mean, I think some things are, are probably unique. I think that um, I, if you read about leadership, right, online, and, you know, if you're a new lead and you're like, okay, how do I, I want to be a good lead. How do I be a good lead? And you start reading around, right? You're reading um, all the sort of books on leadership and all the things. The thing that's going to strike you, if you're, especially if you're in games, I think, is that, you know, a very significant percentage. Let, let's just call it 75% because I'm, I'm just pulling a number out of my butt. 75% um, of that content is going to be about how to motivate your team. Right? How to get them excited about the work that they're doing. And uh, frankly, in games, as a rule, motivation is not a problem. 
Everybody motivated. <laughs> like that's that's just not a problem day one. Um, and let you know, unless like something has gone wrong. But day to day, um, people are there because they're motivated. Like it's already it's like a settled part of of the work. And so um really the problems are are different. It's a different level of 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 issue. It's about how to take how to take you know motivated people, how to take people who really do care about the thing that they're building and really already want it. They are like you don't have to convince them that it's like it's exciting to do this. They already want they already are excited. You don't have to convince them that that they, they want this product to exist. They already want this product to exist. Um, you, what you have to do is is you know help them see how how it advances, how this work is worth it for them. Right? Um, you know, especially when, when things get rough, when, right? When, when, when the, say when the time when the game looks really bad or when they get a bad review or when they're just struggling with the people around them, um, you know, when things get rough, right? How do you get through it? Um, or when, when you're not sure you're doing the right thing or when you have so many things on your plate to choose from, um, you know, some, but you, you don't know which one is, you know, you don't know which one is going to have the, the best impact, right? How do you choose? And, you know, how do you work with imperfect information, especially in a sort of an industry that's all about imperfect information, right? It's all about entertainment and, 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 and guessing sort of the tastes of the people um, around you um, and sort of dealing with that. Uh, so, so I think that the, the sort of the common day-to-day -day problems of game development um, seem to be different than the common day-to-day -day problems of of other industries. I suspect there's there are industries that are similar, right? I suspect other entertainment industries are similar. Um, uh, you know, I, so I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if I you know, went to a VFX team somewhere and there was similar sort of um, similar challenges. Um, um, uh, but but I, you know, I, it's hard for me to know that without having actually experienced it or, or talking to somebody who who can compare and has both experiences. Right. So, Mike, you have shared a lot of information about technical matters in games, programming a lot of presentations, a lot of articles, but you have also shared a lot about leadership. I wanted to ask you, why did you decide to um, present all that information, share all the knowledge about leadership specifically? It hasn't been done a lot in the industry. Well, the question, I think the question of why is actually pretty easy. Um, uh, I did not have any guidance. That's it. That's the, that's the question. That's the answer to why. Um, and I, you know, I there, I think there are two general responses when something happens to you that you don't like um, uh, for people. Um, you know, one is one is hazing. I did it. You should do it too. <laughs> like that, that. That's one response, and that I think that's a natural response for a lot of people. Like I went through this. Why? Why shouldn't? Why should you get away with not having gone through this? Or, you know, life was tough when I was young. Why should it be easy when you're young? That kind of attitude, right? That's a one natural response. The other natural, the other natural response, or at least the other response, which may be less natural, is I went through this. Nobody else should, 
right? There's no reason for this. Like it, it should stop. Like this is a, this was a bad idea then. It's still a bad idea now. Um, and the fact that I, you know the fact that I went through it is a sunk cost. The fact that I went through it is irrelevant. To there are more people ahead of me than behind me. So how about we stop the tide, right? How about we stop all the, the things that are coming ahead of me? Um, and and so the answer is, you know, I didn't have any guidance. And you know, am am I? Um, you know, is there something special about my experience to help guide people going forward? I'd say, I mean, to a degree, no, there isn't other than it is an experience and it's mine and there wasn't, there, there's not much else to go on. So I'll, I'll give you the best that I've got. And if that's more than you have, that's pretty good. If there's somebody better or, you know, or, or more, more information or, or more, more valuable information, or you're in a different position, um, then, then great, get that. Um, but the, the point is that if somebody is just behind you, then, you know, just has a, just a little bit less than you and can, and can use your experience, then, you know, you sort of have a, a responsibility. I think even an ethical responsibility to share that experience because, if you look across the spectrum of things that you learned in your life, right? You got there, you got to wherever you are because you learned from other people's experience, right? And so mm -hmm. to a degree, you have a responsibility to give that, give that back into the world. Um, whatever experience you have, give that back so that other people can benefit from that. Um, and this is just one of those things for me, right? One of the things that I felt like, okay, I got this. This is something I, I, this is something I got out of, of life. And so here's something I have to I have to put back into the, the the pile for other people. Yeah, and they are very much to the point. I'll make sure to put the links to most of them in the show notes. I remember one of them is called "Should Your Engineering Lead Be Fired?" It's an article that you wrote, and I remember I shared this with with our guys in our team, and our engineering leads read it, and then afterwards, all of them said that we should be fired based on this. So really, really interesting points. And really, like I said, not, not a lot of fluff, very to the point. Um, there is a talk a lot of times about team chemistry, Mike. And in sports, everyone knows that some teams have chemistry, some don't. But this is talked about in business teams also. But in video game development teams, what do you think team chemistry is? Can can it be pointed at? Can it be defined anyhow? Or is it just magical? Um, I mean, this is sort of, to a degree, you're asking me to define, you know, what is it about groups of humans that work well and what don't? And and that is, well, outside of my personal expertise, like that, that that's a study of, of human beings that I think requires a certain amount of expertise, but I can I can share what my my experience is here and and, and my impression, sure. um, and I think that in my experience there is a certain amount of if you put people together and and they're able to they're able to communicate well their intentions in fewer in the fewest number of words. Um, that's when you know things are, are, you know, that's a signal that things are, are working well. You know, if I can just say, hey, um, you remember that time when, or you remember that idea that we talked about, or you, hey, have you seen this? 
And they kind of get, they get the connection between what you just said and what you were just talking about. Like, why, like, why would you be talking about that TV show? Or why would you be talking about the thing that we went through when we're talking about like this, this, you know, this level design over here? Um, or, but if, if they get that connection, right? If they understand what point you're trying to make and they can, you know, make that leap with you, then they have, a, they sort of have a mental model of you, right? They have a working mental model of you. Um, and if, if, you know, every, the more of that sort of cross pairs on the team that have that working mental model of each other, I think the better the chemistry. And if they all have that, like if you have a team of eight people and every one of them can sort of cross each other and, and are able to make those leaps for each other and have great mental models of each other, um, then I think, you know, that's a good signal that you have a great team and you have great chemistry. You know, they can, they can just give the smallest signal and the other person knows where they're going, right? And I think that's true, also going to be true in sport. Like the smallest hint that they're going to be doing something and the rest of the team is going to know what they want to do, right? You know, you don't need to stop and explain it and break it down and do all the things. Um, and, and, and so I think that that's one signal. I think people are looking for, often people are looking for, um, you know, friendship as part of a, you know, a team with chemistry. And I think sometimes that's true. And sometimes that's the easiest, um, that's the easiest thing to point to. Oh, you know, our team had great chemistry because we're all great friends. Um, um, and yeah, you know, I think that if that's true, that's usually a sign that you are, you know, you, you are already on board, you already like each other and you probably do have good mental working models of each other. But I think your team can have good chemistry even if people aren't friends, right? They can have, a good mental model of each other. They they can they can know how to work with each other professionally. They can appreciate each other artistically, and still say, um, um, you know, uh, if I'm going to go out and you know, and and if I'm going to go out and have some dinner, or if I'm going to go out and watch a concert, I'm probably not going to do it with you. Like that's okay. <laughs> like it's it's fine to not be friends in that way, um, and still be and still be sort of professionally appreciate the other person and still enjoy working with them. Find joy in working with them does not mean you have to find joy in doing other things with them, right? Um, um, but if if you do not, if the team can, you know, anyone on the team says they, they don't find joy in working with the other person, right? They don't get anything out of it. So it's a struggle to get something out of it. That's a, clearly a signal of the opposite. Like it's a struggle to communicate. It's a struggle to, to help get them to understand what I'm trying to say. That's a signal of the opposite, that your team doesn't have chemistry, right? Um, and, and so though that's really where I would, I would start. Like if I was gonna look for some, a metric, if I was gonna look for a metric of chemistry, something that I could actually point to, then I would, you know, I would be asking the question something like, how easy is it for you to get your idea across to this other person? And I would do that basically across every pair in the team. Um, and, you know, a neutral signal is probably okay, right? It's, it's fine, you know, sometimes there's, sometimes I have to stop and explain things, but generally speaking, when I explain an idea, they get it, and it doesn't take us too long to get there. That's a sort of neutral signal, um, and I would say if you, if you have that across the whole team, you're probably in pretty good shape. Like, you're, it's, it's manageable. Like, you can, you can do pretty well. Uh, you know, if you're looking for look, all I have to do is blink and the other person can read my mind across every pair. Like, first of all, you need to start, you need to, with, if you have that team, you need to start making everybody's life dream right now because you're never getting that again. 
Like that's this is the only time if you have that team right now, this is the only time you're ever going to have it in your life. So you should be making everybody's <laughs> lifetime project right now. Um, uh, and but otherwise, yeah, just some mix of that. But if you have anyone who says, "Look, I just cannot communicate with with you know with whoever," and if you have a bunch of people who say, "I can't communicate with that person," then you actually have a problem. Um, and one person, right, can tear apart the, the chemistry of a team. One person can be toxic for a team, and you really have to root that out. Um, you have to figure out either how to help them communicate or how to help them um, be somewhere else, that, that they'll be more successful. Have you ever been able to enhance this in a team, this communication? Or is this something that either is there or isn't, and as a lead, you can configure your team based on how their communication or this chemistry is? Um, I mean, I, I like to believe that I have made it, I have, I have made a uh, impact on this particular metric a lot. Um, and it's something that I do focus on uh, from a, you know, a day-to-day point of view. Uh, you know, you want to get the team to be better at communicating with each other, which, you know, just like anything requires practice, you know, and I, I think that, um, you know, if you, if you look at who your friends are, um, you know, and or who your spouse is, um, most of the time, those relationships, those, those personal relationships are accidental, in the sense of, uh, you know, I bumped into this person or uh, by sheer coincidence, we were at this place or even I went on this app and I saw this, you know, this co- pure coincidence. I saw this person and, you know, and then we met and we hit it off. Um, so so those relationships are generally coincidental um, or accidental. And and by that, I mean, you, you know, both the how we met was accidental. Like I had no I didn't really have direct control over it um, and that we liked each other was accidental, right? It, we got together and, you know, and people say, and it just clicked and we just liked each other. Like it's pure accident, basically, that we already got along, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that evolves into a friendship or that evolves into a relationship um, because you already match. But at work, right, or on a project, um, you know, you're matched based on, you know, wanting to wanting to accomplish the same thing, um, which is a completely different kind of match. It's not matched on whether or not you already like each other, right? So you can easily enter a relationship here, a professional relationship with a group of people that you don't naturally like, like from the start. Like, I, you know, I, I don't like these people. For instance, you can say that. Like, um, these are not people that I would immediately say I want to go and, and, and have a relationship with or I want to go and have dinner with. Um, and so it's, it's about building that on those relationships, right? And, and it's about, it's about con- doing that consciously and realizing that that's, that's actually a proactive thing. That's actually a tool that you need. You know, you need to be able to build a relationship from scratch that was matched based on something that's completely not, it's completely different access than other types of relationships, um, which means that you have to learn to communicate. Um, you need to ha- build a model in your head of what that other person is like, which means you have to know more about them. So, you know, th- there's activities that you do, there's actual like behaviors that you do in order to do that, right? You, you, you need the team to talk about themselves. Like, this is a simple thing. 
Um, but you know, you need you need the, uh, the rest of the team to, to know a little bit more about who they are, right? Like, tell me about your history. Let's hear about it. Let's have make sure everybody hears about it. How did you get here? Why are you here? What is it that's what is it that's important to you? Um, you know, everybody needs to hear that. You have to, um, you know, you have to have, um, you know, you have to sort of have someone work through um, an idea in a way that everybody can see, right? So some of this can be artificial. Like, you know, we can do just like everybody's, let's say everybody goes through presentations of things, like everybody goes and gonna present something. And it's not, the topic is not really that important. What's important is that everybody gets to see how you work through an idea, how you present it. Um, and that gives me an idea of how your mind works, right? The th what did you pick when you talked? Well, because every, to every topic is basically an infinite topic, right? So what parts of this did you pick? Why did you pick those parts? Um, how did you approach this topic? What was, the, what was your angle? How did you divide this up? <clears throat> and especially if there's a time limit, how did you pick which five minutes you were going to talk about in a topic that you could spend 20 hours talking about easily? Um, and so that gives me a hint of how your mind works. And over time, you do that little by little by little over time with the team all the time. And uh, what happens is at some point, they start to get each other a little bit better, right? They start to be able to predict the behavior of the other people a little bit better, little by little. Um, and at some point, you have a team that actually works. Um, and that can take time. Then that's okay. Like, uh, uh, you know, the expectation that you can build a great team in, in six months is uh, unreasonable. Um, a great team takes a long time to build. Uh, um, a great culture takes a long time to build. Um, you know, I, I say generally that um, until you've been doing the job for, um, you know, at, after you've been doing the job for 10 years, everything is your fault. Um, before 10 years, you can still blame the person who came before you. Um, so, so it's really, you know, it really takes that, that, that whole 10 years for, for you to like have, have eradicated, you know, have had the opportunity to eradicate any sort of like previous issues um, and really dig into the whole team and really build every single element of the culture um, and all the little pieces that matter. Um, it just takes a long time. Now, you know, can, can you get 80% of that or can you get a, a big percentage of that in the first couple of years? Sure. Like, of course, it's, it's not linear. But if you, you know, if you were, you know, working from end to end and really that well-oiled machine that I think everybody is really ultimately looking for, that takes a real time. Mm -hmm. So somewhere I read in one of your articles, you talked about getting to know your teammates personally. So I am guessing that that could be an important factor here, uh, complementing what you said. And yeah. Yeah, 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 and I, I, you know, again, I don't want that to—I don't want that to imply that it means that everybody needs to be friends, or that even that to know yeah. a lot of personal information about the other person. Like, um, you know, sometimes people are okay with that, and sometimes it's helpful. Um, uh, you know, but you know, what are, you know, sometimes people are comfortable with. Hey, these are these are my set of neurological conditions. Other people are like, I'm not going to talk to you about my sort of neurological health. You know, as as one example. Um, but what you do need to know is, um, you know, that, that those sort of personal, personal professional motivations, you know, the things that drive your career, the things that are important to you about this 
domain, right? The thing that we're working in, whether you're a programmer or an artist or whatever, what are the things that drive you in that domain um, that are independent of, of the actual task at hand or the, even the actual company that we're working for, right? What is it that you find special about the work? That is understanding your team personally without understanding, without focusing on personal information of your team, right? That's that distinction. Mm -hmm. So another topic that you have talked about a lot, Mike, is training your leaders. Uh, do you believe that leadership is something inborn in people? Should something be in there? Or can anyone train to be a good leader? What has your experience been like? Is leadership inborn? I can't, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to think about that, like, how that would work. Like, like what, what sort of combination of of genetics and, and genes would allow one to more naturally lead? Or, I guess, which, what sort of set of genetics would make one more just predisposed to leadership? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think that's probably a good question um, from uh, a a genetics and 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 um, and uh, and psychologist psychology study yeah. right uh, you know I'm yeah. not really super equipped to answer that sort of question uh, although I find it interesting I I guess in my experience though uh, whether or not some people are more predisposed by by their um, environment um, in their experience um, is tough for me to judge but when 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 they come, when when I meet them, there are clearly people who are more ready to be leads than others. That's true. Like somebody enters the door, and some people are more ready to be leads than others. Some people are going to take more work to be good leads than other people. Like how they got there, whether you know what combination of environment, genetics, and history, and all the things, I don't know. But um, uh, they they are there. That is true. Um, now now. The, I think the core of the question is, or I think the question, um, uh, part of the question is, if we look and see somebody enters the door and want them to be a lead, now is the distance between them and a good lead finite? I think that is actually the, the question, like practical question. Is it something that you can reason about? You know, can you take someone pretty much anyone and make them into help them become a good lead or are there some people that 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 distance is basically infinite and, and there is no hope like you need mm -hmm. to stop talking like you need to give them a different job because there's this is there's no hope of this yeah uh, i mean i think in in principle almost always i take the i take the position of of that distance is finite right i i i, I by default believe that that you know it's it, a solution is possible. I think that, you know, I think, A, when you're presented with a problem, you need to assume that a solution is possible um, or um, it's it's sort of pointless to think about it. Like, it's the only sane approach to problem solving. Um, um, uh, so, and there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, I've been a game developer my entire life, and in order to be a game developer, frankly, you need to, you need to be a, if not a, a um, an outright public optimist, you need to be at least a closet optimist. 
you cannot be a game developer and not be an optimist. Like there's no such thing as a pessimist <laughs> game developer because there is no way that you can make a game if you if you were any, anywhere near a realist, right? Because it's, it's like it's such a unrealistic job. Like it's such an unrealistic <laughs> job to hope for all the pieces to come together and, and hope for the success and hope for all the things to work that you need to be an optimist to be a game developer. Um, whether or not you believe you're an optimist is another thing. Like lots of people don't believe it, but when you get right down to it, they are. Um, um, so can can do I believe you can train somebody to be a good lead? I think the answer is yes. Um, given all of those caveats, I think the answer is yes. Um, um, and that's that's usually some of the, sometimes that's about helping people get through their hangups. Um, sometimes that's about showing people what good looks like. Um, sometimes that's about just putting them in the right environment where expectations are set um, and where they have a peer environment and you know those that sort of peer pressure and and um, that you know where, where they can see how the the sort of the average of the people around them are acting and they sort of naturally tend toward that center of gravity. Um, so if you if you you know if you have four good leads and you got to have somebody new in the room, you know, what you need to do is get them to spend as much time together as possible, right? Get them to talk through problems together because then they'll start to see how the other four people start solving those problems, right? And that will inevitably leak into the, how they work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they will start to blend into the average of, of approaches to problems. Um, and, but, you know, but you also need, uh, you know, if you're training a new lead, you need to spend a lot of time with them. You need to, be super clear about a bunch of things. You need to have, you know, you need to write things down. So, you know, people forget to write things down. You need to, you know, let let's let me help you understand these words. You know, because especially if you've never heard it before, if I just say you need to, if I just say the words, uh, you need to make sure your team communicates well. Okay, first of all, that sounds obvious. Um, <laughs> second of all, I don't know what it, I don't know what that means. Like. I mean, I know what the words mean, um, and I know that we should speak the same language uh, as in, you know, the same natural language. Like, we should, I should say words and they should understand them. But there, there is a lot to unpack. There's a lot of sort of deepness to the question of a, what it means for a team, team to communicate well. And you really have to spend the time to make sure that they understand what you meant when you said that and break it down. And I don't think most training does that. My experience is that they don't. My experience is that when somebody gets is becomes a new lead at some studio somewhere, um, somebody just gets presented with the, hey, if they're presented at all, here are the expectations for a lead. You know, you need to be able to get your team to communicate well. You need to be able to make sure that they're on, you know, that they that they are aligned with the appropriate tasks or goals of the studio. They need to be aligned with the values of the studio. Nobody ever, ever explains what those words mean really concretely behaviorally um and and so you're left figuring it out right as an individual and people figure that out very differently or they don't um and so it's a just it's that guidance that is real training right um and is that to go back to one of your earlier questions is that coaching i don't know but you know, it's to a degree it's coaching because, you know, I've already spent time on this question. I'm going to share with you my experience about this question. So, yeah, that's kind of coaching, but it's also just clarity, right? It's also just, you know, I, I, let me explain what I meant when I said this. Um, um, so, yeah. 
Great. So during the past year, most of the past year, almost every team has been working remotely. Uh, what would you say has changed for leaders in video game industry when they are working remotely? Is anything harder? Is anything easier, maybe? Um, I mean, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of things are, I, I think a lot of things have been harder for a lot of folks. Um, um, you know, there's a certain reliance on, you know, to go back to the question of chemistry, right? What do you rely on in order to communicate? And, you know, I think that if you look at a team who, who especially teams that do work really well together um, and have worked in close prox physical proximity to each other <coughs> for a long time, what they, what they in inevitably rely on are a lot of those sort of nonverbal cues, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, if I... If I walk in to the office, you know, just a few minutes late and I walk just a certain way or if I have, a, you know, if I'm holding my cup in a certain way, like people around me kind of know that something went wrong. Right. And so they're naturally adjusting and they're naturally sort of like thinking about, um, especially very close team, like, OK, what does that mean for what we're doing? And should we talk about this? And, um, and that just just doesn't exist, right? In Zoom, like you don't, you can't capture that in Zoom. Um, and, you know, as, as good as good as video is, and is, is um, as, you know, as great as the compression ratio is, um, there's, there's a lot of subtleties that you just can't catch. Um, and, it, you know, especially because every interaction really, to a degree is a planned interaction. Right, as opposed to just seeing it happen, part of your environment, um, and so I think that is harder. Uh, some teams who are more either more naturally distant, um, or um, n you know, n their communication was really not based on that nonverbal sort of closeness. Um, they're probably actually having a reasonably good time of it, right? Because. Um, the things, it, it's actually the opposite. The things that got in our way were those sort of nonverbal cues because we didn't have a model of the other person. And so now we can, we actually are forced to be explicit, right? We're forced to communicate better. Um, and so that actually helped some teams, right? I think just so that, that you have to be able to communicate well. Um, um, but, uh, I, you know, it probably opened up a bunch of other questions in terms of like, all right, when are we working? How are we getting together? You know, how how many meetings should we have? The Zoom fatigue, right? How many hours can I sit in front of a, a video and focus on a screen and talk to people? And turns out that's not that many hours before you know my brain starts to melt. Um, and so by this point, like I I, I think that it was much rougher, um, say six months ago or November, like it was probably much rougher then. I think by this point, there's a certain amount of, of okay, you know, we, we get that it's not going away, right? Pandemic or no pandemic, um, um, you know, this sort of remoteness, this, this uh, mix of in real life and over video, that's not going away for anybody now. Um, so I think there's a certain amount of <coughs> acceptance since the new year, um, um, at least that I've seen. And so people are starting to 
um, settle in a little bit and figure out how it works and how they mix it in um, um, and how how they're starting to think about what the future is going to look like and how the teams are going to communicate in the future. Um, um, I think, I mean, really, if the, you know, if the question is, as a lead, um, you know, what what are the what are the lessons? Um, I think one is, mo- I think a lot of people found it to be more successful than they would have expected it to be otherwise. Um, you know, I certainly am in the group of of people who were very skeptical of a fully remote team before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, post, or at least in this, this point in time, I would say that I'm still in the camp of, that's not my preference. A fully remote team is still not my personal preference, but I can see now how it could work. Um, and, and I can see the, the kind of investment that you need to put in in order to make that work and the kind of time and exact you know clarity that you need to put in. Because really, the energy you're putting in now is about clearing, is about that clarity. That, that communication now has another level to it. Um, and that level is about like, I have to be able, over Zoom, I have to over Zoom, I have to be able to do this and I have to be able to do it in half an hour. <laughs> and I have to be able to do it, you know, in these, in these sort of small increments. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a different, that's a different skill set. And that just takes that, that takes time to develop. And that's on top of every other communication skill that we expect every lead to have already. Um, so, so, um, I'd say in that sense, it's very much harder for a lead because it's just, it's extra work. It's extra work to do, to make sure that you can, you can communicate well and you can communicate well remotely and you're clear enough for people who are remote. Um, I think it also indicates that people who were remote before and many people, many places had a, you know, a remote individual here and there, right? it's clear that for the most part, those people were really underserved previously, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that our leads generally did not know how to deal with them, did not know how to communicate well with them. And hopefully that, you know, they'll find their lives greatly improved. Um, that's a very long-winded answer to that question, as, as most of my answers are. Yeah, no, but, but really great. So you've talked extensively before about the values of one-on-one meetings for a leader. Uh, do you lose anything when you do the one-on-one meeting in a remote setting over Zoom? Hmm. Um, I think that um, uh, I think that yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you lose something, right? There, there is, there is. You definitely lose the ability to read read the room right um you know you come in and that 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 sort of body language and that sort of emotional content that somebody brings into the room um uh that you're that you're going to respond to consciously or unconsciously like you lose a lot of that um and so you may be it may take you longer to get to the thing that that's bothering somebody because you don't actually immediately see that there is something bothering them um and and so just the, you have to pull that out more explicitly, pull that out through questioning. Like uh, you, you have to do more fishing for, for, you know, is there, is there an issue? Is there something that's frustrating you? Is there something that um, you would want to change? Is there something that's blocking you? Is there, is there something that's stopping you from doing your very best work right now? Um, 
So you have to do more fishing. And those are all good questions you should ask in person anyway. Um, but sometimes it's easier to skip those questions because you just see it, right? You see clearly already. I see this. I feel there's a problem. Um, um, but do I think you can get to the same result? I think so. I mean, I think I think generally you can get to the same result. Um, I I think there's a there's a distance though that people will put on in in a video chat that they don't put on in person. Um, and that's even that's true now. Even after a year plus of experience with people with video, like there there is a certain um, emotional distance that you know that somebody puts on just by the nature of I'm talking to you over a screen, um, um, and and so it's it it takes it definitely takes longer to even if you could read it, it takes longer to crack through that and. You know, people just to be comfortable opening up over a screen, and I think that that you know that's probably true, and people have found that true of any kind of like re remote therapy that people have been doing over the last you know year as well. And uh, you know, I think that that you know, I would imagine that that the, the sort of therapists and doctors would say the same. That it just gets a little bit harder for people to open up. Um, um, and on that topic, I I would recommend that uh, people. As a general rule, get therapy. Like all game developers should be getting therapy. Like I'll say that flat out. Like if you're making games, you should be getting therapy. Um, that's not just, that. That's not a statement that you shouldn't be making games. That's a statement of you probably actually in real life need someone to talk to to help you through um, your your issues um, and help you understand yourself better. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend that. Uh, and that was that was a really hard left turn from from is is it is it harder to do over Zoom? But, but I thought I threw that in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael, I have many 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 more questions, but unfortunately our time is running out, and I think I will wrap this up with one question, which has two parts, and that is. Um, what is the biggest problem that you see with the young leaders in video game industry? And what kind of advice do you have for those who are starting their leadership journey or are thinking about becoming leaders in the video game industry? So let me start with the second question first. What kind of advice would I give? The problem with giving advice um, is that um, I... If I, you know, it's it's very difficult for for you to uh, you in the general sense another person to actually understand what I'm saying in the case in these in this kind of case like a blind case of here's some blanket advice, um, um, largely because I'm too distant from your position. So that you know, unless I really think about it, unless I really you spend the time to to make sure that that I meet you where you're at, and my message is clear from your point of view. Um, inevitably, my message just goes right over your head, like from an advice point of view, because I'm too distant from you. And that's true technically, as it is, as it is from a leadership point of view. So there's a danger in giving advice if you haven't really crafted it for the for the listener. Um, so, but what problem do I see? So, to back to your first your your first point. What problem do I see in young leaders like the the 
this is the same problem I see in, in most young people um, coming, you know, coming out of school or younger. One, problem-solving skills are weak. Um, you know, you need, you need to focus on the ability to break down a problem, understand a problem, understand the, how problems are solved um, as, a, as a general domain of expertise, right? Um, and that, uh, uh, you know, it, it specifically as, as leaders that, that you need to understand that that is a technical domain as well, right? Leadership is a technical domain. Um, and you need to respect it as a technical domain. You need to study it and to treat it like you treat any engineering problem um, and break it down and understand it and understand what the inputs are and what the outputs are and what, you're, you know, what the behaviors are that you're trying to elicit um, and treat it with respect. Um, it is a real domain um, and, it, and it's deserving of your time and energy. Um, and so I think you know, that's the thing that I see is deficient, is not respecting the domain you're actually in. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of one of your uh, short articles where you talked about a lot of times people ask you how much of my time should I be coding and how much of it should I be leading as a technical lead and your answer was that it that's the wrong question. You have to be solving problems. And yeah, whether it's sure. technical or team related, it's just problems that you have to solve. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. Like, it, you know, whatever your job is, everybody's job, really, but your job especially is to, you know, look at look at the field. Here are the team. Here's the team that we have. Um, here is where we want to go. Here are the problems that we want to solve. How do we, what's the best way for us to get there? That's it. That, that's that, that's the whole thing. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters. Like that. What are what are, what do we need to do to get there? And if, if the, what we need to do to get there, like the best, the fastest vector for me to get there is I'm going to sit here and be quiet for the next, you know, for the next um, two days and literally say nothing. Then do that. That's the fastest. If that's the fastest way, right? <laughs> um, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, Mike Acton, it was a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for sharing all this wisdom and all the information. I hope to be able to talk to you sometime again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really a great pleasure to see you again, um, and I hope to visit soon in the future again. I hope that, that uh, uh, the stars align, our politics align in such a way that that's possible again. Yeah, that would, that would be great. Thank you very much. I wish you a great day. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye.